Hey, this is Pete Bauer from the Pete Bauer blog. Thank you for joining me today. I have my daughter, Dorothea. Hello. Hi. So, DC, do you know what this is today? Well, you just called me DC, so who am I really? It's <laughs> Well, <laughs> you're Dorothea Catherine, and therein lies the DC part. But do you know what today is? It's Sunday. It is, but today is the last Pete Bauer blog podcast. Ooh. I know. Yes, this is the last Pete Bauer blog podcast. However... Fear not. Fear not. In January, we are starting a brand new podcast, which is more in line with who we are and what we're doing and all that other stuff. We're really excited about it. Uh, We were talking about it in the car one day, and we were brainstorming some different names for this new podcast, and we came up with one, which are we going to reveal it? No, uh, no, not till January. Okay. And the name of the podcast kind of illuminates the kind of style and approach that we're going to take. What we ended up with this one is we were trying to do, you know, talk about what we were doing limited to fiction, but we're also interested in so many other things and related to entertainment. So we wanted to broaden that. And also, you know, there are really good podcasts out there for people who want to know about publishing fiction and so forth. Um, But we didn't want to try to compete with those because they're much better and they have a proven approach with that. So we're still going to talk about our projects, but we're just going to, it'll be a little broader scope. And that's a good quick lesson in marketing when it comes to your competitors. We didn't really want to have to compete with all of these other self-publishing podcasts because so much of what we talk about are things we learned on other people's self-publishing podcasts. So we didn't have the expertise in this area to really bring anything new or fresh to the table in that discussion. What we really want to talk about is our journey as storytellers and coming to this point and the stories that we love. So making this transition, I think, is going to be really good. It's going to give us a little bit better of a direction, and it's going to be more fun because we're not going to be as confined in our topics. Yeah, that's really what was kind of bothering me before, is that I really felt confined to these specific subjects related to our publishing process. And we're still going to do that. I mean, it will be consuming most of my life for the next two or three years, at least. And that's just to finish the Gabby Wells novel series. So it'll be the primary topic of conversation on the new podcast. And we'll be able to talk about other things that are interesting to us as well. So brace yourself, listeners, because coming 2015, we will talk about zoo animals, just like you always wanted. Yeah, there's a lot of requests (laughs) for that. Not on our site, though. So that was... (laughs) We just went on a random fan site. Someone really wants to talk about zebras. And hey, we're here to please. You know, no one's doing that. So we are going to pick up that base. I feel like someone's going to comment and be like, here's all these podcasts about zebras. <laughs> That's probably true. And the reality is, is I don't know anything about zoo animals. I don't so either. it would be a very short-lived podcast. We'd have to come up with a whole different one, actually. Um, so we have been doing this podcast a little over a year. Can you believe that? I can. <laughs> Well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. But in that little over a year, we were kind of inconsistent because uh, it's since we limited the podcast to the publishing side and we were going through the steps of learning that and some of that process obviously is writing and that's the most time-consuming portion of it. There were months where we really didn't want to just talk to talk. We wanted to only share information that we'd either learned or or things that we had uh, grown to understand and, and were implementing. So we weren't as consistent with the podcast as we should have been. 
So I'm really excited about kind of expanding the scope and the goals and the uh, agenda for the new podcast. I think it'll be a lot more interesting. It'll, it'll allow us to be more of ourselves and also talk about the book stuff that we're doing. So that's pretty cool. But a year ago, right now, I was in the 97th draft of Water and Blood, which is a novel that we threw away and started over again. And the amount of work that separates that day and what we're doing now is pretty amazing. Yes, this year has been very busy. We've learned a lot of lessons. And not just in writing, because obviously you're writing the books and I'm not. But we also learned lessons in promotion and marketing. I graduated from college with a degree in public relations and advertising, but this is really the first opportunity I've had outside of my internship to work in marketing. So it's been a learning process for me as well, and it's been really exciting, and I've enjoyed it a lot. Some of the interesting lessons I've learned have been through this podcast as well. I learned that at the beginning of the year, I used the phrase incredibly important when it was in fact not incredibly important. Very confusing to the listener. (laughs) I learned that I speak very fast, which is probably still true to this day. And I learned a lot of different lessons about how to research and promote your work and present your materials. And all in all, it's been a really great learning experience so far. So what do you think the top three things are that we did well or the top three lessons that we learned were in this past year? Off the top of my head, I would say the first one and probably the most important is that we never stopped going towards our goal. You know, I mean, there were a lot of twists and turns. There were, you know, like we talked about in previous podcasts, we had a plan with five novels that got changed into five novels and five novellas which got changed into 10 novels, which got changed into nine novels. And part of that process was throwing away your first two novels. So the fact that we were never deterred in what we were trying to do to get where we want to go, I think that's probably the best thing that we did. Well, I know you don't like it when I do this, but I am going to give you props and give you credit here because... You're fired. (laughs) You say we were never deterred by having to do all of this rework and changing things up. But again, I'm not the one writing these books. I'm here to help you out. But you're the one who really was willing to throw away all of that work because you knew it was the right choice and willing to rewrite all of that stuff and willing to do all of that all over again. I know, but, but without your support and your continued assistance and guidance and kind of feedback, I, I wouldn't have been able to make the growth that I've had as a novel writer and just help me with the right decisions. I mean, you're awesome at character. So so when I would have an issue with character, you would help me kind of bridge that gap and that would allow me to go forward. So this is a we thing. I'm what? just going to take all the credit. <laughs> as and, you should. And all the money. Excellent. So yeah, no, I Wonderful. think our relationship is really working out really well. I think the second thing that we did well was engaging the self-publishing community. Yeah. Because so much of the amazing resources that we currently have access to are resources that we learned about because we listened to other self-publishing podcasts or emailed other self-published authors or went on different websites and different writing forms. And the community has been so incredibly supportive and welcoming And it's all been really exciting, but we were never afraid to talk to those people, which I think was something that helped us out a lot. No, I agree. And the amazing thing about the internet, and this may confuse some people, it can actually be used for productive purposes. What? Yeah, I know, I know. It's true, though, because when I started, so the way I'm wired is that if I'm going to engage in something, 
I invariably have to learn as much as possible about that thing before I do it, because I know that people have figured out how to do what I want to do already, and I'm just going to add my voice to that mix. So I sought out and listened to, I probably listen to eight or nine podcasts regularly right now. The best self-publishing or independent publishing podcasts are The Creative Pen by Joanna Penn, The Rocking Self-Publishing Podcast, The Self-Publishing Podcast, and The Sell More Book Show. Those are the top four. And all those help teach me how to approach the goals we are trying to reach, the steps that I should do. It made us consider some marketing options, which altered our entire novel structure. So um, there was tons of information out there that was available to us that you just had to go seek out. So if anyone wants to do what we're trying to do, it's simple. You have to invest a lot of time and you have to be really interested, but all the information is out there. I would say another thing that we did pretty well so far is that we have, I think, a unique approach to the types of stories that we're telling. It's in line with the kind of stories we've been wanting to tell for either in film or in novels. So that's not relatively new, I guess, but staying true to that, even though there's some market challenges and awareness challenges that we're going to face, I think that was a good thing because there's no sense in me trying to write just another thriller. I, I want to write a thriller that can compete with those thrillers, but has a layer and a, a level that these others don't have, and that's where we integrate the characters' faith struggles in their storyline. And that's something that we've been talking about for a very long time, even before we started doing this podcast, was staying true to the kind of stories that we wanted to tell, whether it was through film or through writing. Yeah, because we started, I mean, honestly, we started talking about these stories when you were homeschooled, which was about seven years ago. And it was based on the feedback I got from your friends at the time. What kind of entertainment was missing that you guys were interested in? And this is the kind of entertainment we're creating right now. So that was the seed that started it. And then we spent years doing Sunlight Pictures stuff and morphed all that storytelling into Sunlight Press. So I'm glad that we stuck with that. I, I still think it's a very valid and unique approach. So I think that's the top three things that we've done so far. I agree. So then what are three things that you think we did not do incredibly well and that you think we could improve upon next year nothing comes to mind (laughs) no i would say i would say that there's some things that we've could have done better i think the business side of the business we could have done better and structured now the top thing that comes to mind is like developing a mailing list that is the number one thing any any creative needs to do is to have direct access to their customer base. And there's nothing better than that than email lists. Because if you find those fans that really enjoy what you're doing, then they're going to want to know when the next thing that you do comes out. And we really haven't started that at all. I'm not saying we would have had a lot of fans by now, obviously. But we didn't really do any of the infrastructure for that or really think of that business side as well as we should. I think something that at least I could definitely improve on going off of what you said about approaching this as a business is really setting the time aside and making it a priority. Everyone has day jobs. Sometimes they're very exhausting. Sometimes you come home and you just want to take a nap and eat dinner and have a good night with your family and not really have to worry about anything else. And a lot of times it's very easy to fall into that schedule. 
But if this is something that's important to you, you do have to approach it like a business. You have two jobs and the second job demands as much of your time, focus and energy as your first job and paying job does. Yeah. And does that count as a second thing? I think so. Okay, good. So the third thing that I think we could have done better, and it kind of ties with what you're saying, but what I could have done better is just write more consistently. I mean, I wrote a lot of words in the last year and throughout most of them, <laughs> <laughs> but but there were still plenty of days where I should have just sat down and worked through it. One of the things that I've had to learn this year is that the only way you write through a problem is to write through a problem. There's You can only think about the issue that's in front of you for so long. Eventually, you have to actually just write it. And if it sucks, that's fine. But maybe in that in those words, you'll find something that allows you to find the long-term fix. We also learned that Wi-Fi is an evil temptress. It is. <laughs> it, it really is. I know. I end up getting so distracted and I end up having to... And here's the thing. It's totally in your control, right? I just I could just go up to the bar and disable my Wi-Fi and all of my responsibility would be in writing. And even though I know to do that, I'm like, I don't know, but there's probably some cool things out there I could be looking <laughs> at right now. Procrastination and Wi-Fi are evil siblings, I think. Well, we've lived in a world where multitasking is just expected that I think we've forgotten what true focus is actually like. And that's true even outside of work, because I was watching a movie the other day that I had never seen before. And I love movies. And most of the time, I'm completely devoted to watching a movie. If someone tries to talk to me, I will like bite their head off. I will turn into Godzilla and bite their head off because consuming stories is so important to me. But the other day I was watching a movie I'd never seen before and I was on my phone because I was just so accustomed to constantly checking updates, seeing what was going on, checking the news, checking social media, checking all of this stuff that to not do that for even two hours felt weird. I broke my phone a few weeks ago and I didn't have one for three days and I honestly felt like part of me was missing, <laughs> which sounds really sad and you laugh at it now, but when it's something that, oh, well, I need to text my family and tell them I won't be home for dinner or I need to check my email and see if my boss replied to that email I sent earlier or I need to check the pharmacy, see if my prescriptions have been filled. All of this stuff that really has nothing to do with your cell phone is now most easily accessed via your cell phone. And when you don't have it, all of that stuff kind of starts to stress you out. So it wasn't necessarily that I didn't have my phone in my hand that made me feel like there's part of me missing, but I couldn't reach out to you or mom if I needed to. I couldn't do a lot of things that I may have needed to do. And that whole feeling just felt weird. Good or not, it's a critical way that we communicate in all things, whether it's verbally or sending pictures to people, or sending texts to people, or sending emails to people. So it's a mini computer in your hand. But you're right, is that we have lost the ability, I think, to really focus. And when you're going to write, you have to shut down everything and write. You know, one of the best things I learned was in the book Two to Ten Thousand by Rachel Aaron. And what was so great about that, and it's so simple in its approach, but but one of the things that's really effective that she says is you have to be excited about what you're writing. And when you're writing every day, there's a lot of days that seem like it's work and it's not a lot of fun. And so you kind of have to shift that and go, well, I want to be excited about what I'm going to write. And if I'm really not excited about what I'm writing, 
then maybe I shouldn't be writing that. And that led into something that I've started to get a grip on through the end of this year, because now I'm really getting excited about putting Gabby through all these mysteries and challenges. I really enjoy sitting down and looking at the pages and go, oh, I can't wait to type this to put Gabby through this stuff. And I think the frustration that came before that was based on the fact that there were so many rewrites of the previous books, and then they all got thrown away. It was just seemed like it was necessary work, but it didn't seem like productive work. And now that we have the first book, Kneel and Pray, that will be going to the editor in January, I actually feel like I'm making progress. So jumping into the Gabby Wells world isn't a, I have to start over and reintroduce the character for the third time. It's, oh, cool, I get to create a really cool problem for Gabby to solve. And so that's actually been a really interesting learning curve for me. And it's made writing a lot more exciting. It's made writing a lot more fun. Yeah, something that I've learned just from reading interviews with my favorite writers and watching you go through this whole writing process is that writers are really kind of sadists. And they look at their characters, especially thriller writers and dramatic writers, they look at their characters and with an evil smile say, what can I put you through this time? Yeah, it is kind of fun. (laughs) What was interesting is that my son Gabe had a friend over yesterday And I was kind of giving him a brief synopsis of the first four books. And he's like, man, Gabby has a really crappy life. And I was like, no, these are just the exciting parts of her life. You're not going to write a book about nothing happening. You're not going to write a book about her being in class. One chapter is all about her chemistry tests. And the next chapter, she forgot her homework. I mean, chapter seven, there's nothing on TV. Chapter Chapter eight. eight. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So the thing I love about the Gabby Wells character is all of this is tied to her faith growth or faith struggle or faith journey. And to me, that's just really cool because each one of these books at the end of it is a step in Gabby's faith journey. So all of these mysteries are not just mysteries, but they're specifically designed to tackle some of the spiritual challenges that Gabby needs to overcome as well. So it's not only her overcoming the mystery of the, of the book or the thriller of the book or the antagonist of the book, but they're designed as kind of moral tests for her too in her overall growth. And so that's something I really, really like about this process. So it's been a good year. It has been. I'm just excited to start the next one. We're almost there. I know. New podcast, new everything, books coming out. I'm just very excited. We've got a lot a lot going on next year. It'll be a lot of fun. But in the meantime, it's almost Christmas. It is almost Christmas. But what did we learn today? We learned today in mass that it is not Christmas time. That's correct. <laughs> and we should clarify that we are Catholic, so we celebrate Advent before we celebrate Christmas. And something I didn't even realize until we were in mass today... And the priest who was giving his homily was saying that this isn't Christmas time. Christmas time happens after Christmas. There's a whole period of time in the Catholic Church that is Christmas time. We are, however, not in that because we are patiently awaiting the birth of the Lord. Right. So just like in preparation for Easter, Catholics go through Lent, which is so that you can be spiritually ready for the resurrection of Christ. In Christmas, Advent is so you can be spiritually ready for celebrating God entering the world at Christmas. And one thing a priest said uh, a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was great, and he was talking about too many people focus on Christ's birthday at Christmas. And he said, you know, we should really approach Christmas from a spiritual perspective this way. 
He said that when a couple has a baby, their whole life changes. And as your father, I can tell you that's absolutely <laughs> true. And what usually changes? Usually what happens? Your life is filled with infinite more joy and happiness and love. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that point. But before that, what was interesting is that when you first have a baby, what naturally happens is that the baby becomes the number one priority, right? All of your hopes and dreams take a back seat to taking care of the baby and working in how that baby's existence is going to integrate with your life. And what this priest's point was is that every Christmas we should consider the birth of Christ that life-altering. Think of it as as much as a human baby would change a parent's life, the birth of Jesus should change our life every year. He should once again be the number one priority. We should once again figure out how to integrate the baby Jesus into our lives. So I thought that was a, a great analogy about how it's not just about presents. It's not just about a birthday, but it's also Advent is setting up for that moment where God enters the world. And then from Christmas until Jesus's baptism is actually Christmas time on the liturgical calendar. So even if you're not Catholic, you can at least appreciate that approach is, is that we are preparing ourselves for God's entry into the world and then making that event the number one priority in our life again. So I thought that was a really cool clarification because like you said, we're surrounded by secular influences and it's easy to get distracted and think this is all about Santa Claus and shopping and all that other stuff. Don't forget about the toys. <laughs> Come on. That's Who true. do you think you are? <laughs> well, speaking of Christmas and refocusing on Christ, mm -hmm. you have started a project. Yes, I did. Would you like to enlighten our viewers? Well, they can't see us. Would you like to enlighten our listeners? Yes. <laughs> so on Facebook, I created a page called The Nativity Project. And one of the things that occurred to me a couple of years ago, a couple of things. The first is that we get really upset when the government doesn't put up nativity scenes. And look, they should. Christmas is a federal holiday. Christmas is about Christ's birth. It is not about happy holidays. The fact that the state of Florida had to legally allow Satanists to put a happy holidays display next to a nativity shows you that we can't rely on the government to promote the faith, and honestly, we shouldn't. Because what occurred to me is that if every believer bought a nativity scene and had it in their front yard during Advent and Christmas, there would be no need for the government displays. It would be redundant. It would be unnecessary. Because if 80% of the people really believe that they are Christian, as polls say, then 80% of the yards should have nativity scenes in it. And if 80% of the yards had nativity scenes in it to say this is what Christmas is about for us, then we wouldn't give a crap. So I think we were fighting the wrong battle. And the second thing that occurred to me is that when I was growing up, there were a lot more nativity scenes. And now there's almost none when you drive around. As a matter of fact, we didn't really buy a nativity scene until this occurred to me. Well, and a lot of people too barely even decorate with lights. At least in Florida. Yes, at least in Florida. Yeah. If Christmas is not a holiday you celebrate, then you don't have to put a nativity on your yard. Yeah, it would probably be awkward for you. <laughs> but if it is, um, we encourage you to put a nativity scene in your front yard and show people the real gift that was given to us when Christ was born. 
Yeah, so if you want to see our Facebook page, if you go to our facebook.com, I think it's slash Sunlight Press, there's a, we have a page called the Nativity Project, and we're asking people to post pictures of their nativity scenes on the page. So we're going to do that with ours. We're going to drive around in whatever ones we can find. We're going to put those up there as well. And just uh, let people know, share it with your friends and family, and let them know that, you know, we as believers have to stop taking the back seat. We have to reclaim our faith. We have to be overt in our faith. Now that society has become almost anti-faith, it's imperative for us to be overt in our faith. Like when we go to lunch, what do we do? Uh, we say grace. We say grace, right? We're not asking anyone else to join us. We're not doing it loudly, but we take a moment to say grace quietly and just between the two of us. That to me is a simple way of being overt in your faith and that we're believers, and that this holiday is ours. It is not Santa Claus's. It is not the stores. It is not Black Fridays or Thursdays or whatever. It is our holiday about God entering humanity. And that's pretty awesome. And that should be celebrated, but not with a guy in a red suit and not by electronics on sale. So again, our faith is a big part of how we approach all of our stories and how we're approaching this as a business, but we hope that regardless of your personal beliefs, you are enjoying this time and that you have a very wonderful Christmas, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the new year. Yes, we do, and in the new year, we will have a new podcast, and I got to say, one of the things that surprised me about putting the business side of this business together is just how much work and time it takes to just update a website or change pictures out or set up the ability to collect emails for a mailing list, to create a new picture for the new podcast, to talk to Apple about getting that set up on iTunes and all those other things. It's just an amazing amount of work that, know what it does? It allows me not to write, so it's <laughs> not so bad. So thank you so much for sticking with us this year, guys. We are really looking forward to our new podcast. I think it's going to be kind of funny. It is. It's going to be fun. And, and we're really looking forward to it. So have a wonderful day or evening or morning. And if you would like to comment, you can leave us a comment in the comment sections. I said comment three times there. And <laughs> you can contact us at contact us at sunlightpress.com. Did you see what I did there? I did. As a writer, I used the same word over and over and over and over <laughs> and over again. And that's a horrendous choice as a writer. But as a speaker, it's also poor. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us and Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. And everyone have a safe holiday and we'll see you after the new year. Bye.